0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's Andy and Don, all one word, .com. You can even ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you Good all. Good morning, morning, Scott. Scott. Uh, are we just getting you now before you head out to the shopping mall? Morning, is that what it is? So you ready to go. <laughs>
1: last minute shoppers. <laughs> that's right. There you
0: go. <laughs> yep. Uh, gonna talk about payday loans. Oh boy, around Christmas time, I guess uh, a good time to do
2: this. It's you know that's that's really the thinking behind it. You're you're getting people very tempted. Now we just went through Black Friday, yeah. Cyber Monday, and so there might they might be getting some extra credit card debt right now. Never mind. The last minute shopping people are going to cram yeah. those stores. Uh, I have not been in there. I don't know about you, Scott, but uh, I, I see people uh, parked outside.
0: Yes. I, I go in once a year, and that's uh, at Lime Ridge for the Blitz weekend with CHML, and that's pretty much it. I don't get. That's the only time I'm in a mall the whole year. I try to stay away.
2: I, I Is do, that a bad thing? No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. And it's funny you say that, because I have this game I play. I go shopping once a year on December 24th. Yeah, yeah. Because I know I can't buy anything the next day. Yeah. Okay, I have to make a quick decision. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. everything's generally returnable. Yeah. Um, I know it's probably not getting the best gifts for everybody. Okay. <laughs> so what if you don't
0: get the right color?
2: <laughs> I, I may not have got the right color anyway. Yeah. and <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and it's a bit of a game. And my son and I have been doing this for years where we go to the mall and we have a day and we just run around. That's hilarious. And, and get these things. Generally, stocking stuffers done. But... The payday loans for me is a deep-rooted problem. I know we've talked about yeah. this on previous shows, and I don't get sick of talking about it. I hope you don't get sick of listening to it.
0: Why don't you like them?
2: Well, to me, it's like loan sharking. Yeah. Legalized loan sharking. When, and, and what happens is for some of the I, 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 ones that are, say uh, not that good with numbers, they look at this and say, okay, we're going to charge you, um, you know, 15 to $21 on $100. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's not too bad. You know, and uh, you know, a lot of people will think, well that's only fifteen to twenty one percent interest. I'm paying that much on my credit card. Yeah. Well the thing is they have to pay that off in two weeks. Okay. Where when they're when they're putting out credit card interest rate at say twenty-six percent even, it's over a course of a full year. Mm-hmm. So if you actually multiply those fifteen to twenty one percent by twenty six, you're now up to three hundred and ninety percent interest wow. to and forty six percent interest. Without compounding,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: with no compounding. So the theory
1: is you're going to get a paycheck in two weeks. Everybody gets paid every two weeks, and so you'll be able to pay it off, and then you're back to square one. Exactly. Except
0: you never get out. Ooh, yeah. Well, and and
2: this kind of fictitious Ben, we'll call him, the idea of this, and this is what they'll advertise, is you go in, just like Andy would say, and you go in and see, you know what, I'm a little short, I had this muffler off my car, and um, I'm just going to get a quick payday loan, get it done, and my paycheck comes shortly. I'll pay that off, and i and I've, I'm in generally positive cash flow, but I have no money in the bank right now. Well, first of all, if I would recommend, I would suggest that you should just use your credit card yeah. and get a cash advance. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, um, the numbers work in your favor, even at 26% interest. Uh, certainly, any kind of loan you can get from the bank, um, say any kind of line of credit, an unsecured line of credit, very high one might be 12% and you can go down from there. You can get unsecured, depending on your credit situation, down to even 4%. So unsecured, no house attached. And if you can get a secured line of credit, it's quite often prime, which is currently 2.7% plus a half. Mm -hmm. So now you're up to about 3.2%. So 3.2% to even 10% interest versus a payday loan that could run around 400%.
0: That being said, though, I'm guessing that most of the people that are using those uh, facilities don't have access to credit, don't have that kind of flexibility. They may have, exa-
1: they may have exhausted that, yeah. those limits or those options already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then-
2: Totally agree with that. And some some there is some uh, part of this that people often get in debt behind their spouse's back mm-hmm. and they don't want them to know about this. So that's also a, uh, a bit of the market share is that, well, you know what, I, I have to get this and I don't really want him or her to know about it. Mm. So it won't show up on the credit card. Mm. It won't show up in any type of line of credit, hoping that they'll pay it off later. Right. Okay, so this is also perhaps some of the market share. And I know that's wow. actually a fact. I talked to somebody that that has a, that w- was an ownership uh, in one of those at one time. Right. And so he did have some of those dealings. But it does sound pretty good when you're listening uh, or watching it on TV. But in reality it doesn't really seem to work that way. And it's kinda interesting. I, I you drive by one and mm-hmm. right I drive at the
0: one main and, and yeah.
2: Drive it by every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen a person in it.
0: I have seen the mascot out front.
2: <laughs> <laughs> every I see that person <laughs> out there all the time. Carrying the big sign? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There must be money to be made in those because, I, but I look at that's a
0: nice costume. Yeah, they must be paying for that somehow.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a it was a fast food restaurant prior to that. And yes, it's it was. Great it windows. was a taco place. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I kind of yeah. missed that actually. But Anyway, <laughs> 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 maybe that's why I'm so upset about these payday loans.
0: Boy, I wonder if they're using the drive-through yet. What's yeah. is that? That's is true. that far well, behind? That would be interesting.
2: I, yeah. I actually had to do a quick turnaround there. I checked the drive-through. I, I said they actually yeah. have a drive-through payday loan service.
0: Yeah. yeah. I didn't
2: even know that until wow. last week.
0: There you go. Don't wow. don't have to get it the car.
2: Well, the real situation out there, and this is statistically proven, is we'll call this person Sherry. She is now caught in this call a a debt trap where she gets a payday loan. It's say $100 and she's got to pay $120 in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Well, she doesn't have that $120. Well, you're not allowed to (coughs) roll one over until you pay the first one off. Right. So then Sherry then goes to a different payday loan place and gets $120. Oh, wow. To pay off the first payday loan place and of course she doesn't have the interest 120 plus the now it's probably up to 145 dollars so she goes to a third one and quite often these people are up to 10 different payday loan places hmm. so they are compounding them yeah. in fact around 25 percent of the um people that use payday loans have visited eight different ones within a year really Okay.
0: Do many default on these? Like, I mean, at the end of the you day, think there must be a yeah. high default rate.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: Well, you you figure there 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 would be eventually. Yeah. Um, or that you know they get family to help, mm-hmm. which I do know a, a friend of mine had to help his brother with these, and that's when we I kind of found out all the fees because it, there's default fees on top of that. Yeah. So it is. It's a spiral. It's a total debt spiral because you're 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 actually hitting on the the clientele is probably the most desperate mm-hmm. the ones that are in debt and they're hoping for a bonus to get them through or a lottery win or yeah. or or they're using it for addiction issues on somewhere else such yeah. as a gambling or something yeah. uh, so it's it's a really fast way down and so what happened uh, is the um, the Pew Charitable Trust in the US actually did a study on this and said that again most people are repeat users not a one-off It's certainly not the way the commercials make it sound like, oh, great, I just grabbed a few hundred bucks, Mm -hmm. three bucks on a, 20 bucks on a hun, whatever the, you know, it sounds so good, yet, you know, our governments haven't done anything about this. Yeah. It's kind of surprising.
0: Why do you think that is? Uh, uh,
2: That one's mind-boggling.
0: Do you think it's because they do still serve a purpose as bad as it is? I mean, if there wasn't for them, what would these people do?
2: Hmm. Well, good question. And the Van City Credit Union for British Columbia, Mm -hmm. okay, they have members, and they will they will loan. Now, of course, you have to be in, you yeah. see, and you have to be a member of yeah. that credit union. But they've come up with uh, an idea, and they can give loans up to twenty five hundred dollars. Okay.
0: So they're combating this exactly. Good for them.
2: With an interest rate of nineteen percent.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, again, on the surface, that seems high. It's credit card interest rates, but again, these are high risk people. Yeah. But it's a, again, it's so much better. It's still
0: cheaper than what it was. Oh, yeah. it's not
2: even night and day. So this is where the credit unions, the banks, maybe the government could get in there to help uh, you know, subsidize bad loans mm-hmm. on these because <laughs> there should be a way to get those, those type of situations out. And yes, the Liberal government dis- discussed a commitment to create a Canadian poverty reduction strategy. This was part of their platform mm-hmm. and it's been a year now. And I know all politicians, they have a lot of things on their platform and they may not get to all of them. But this is one that I personally, Mm-hmm. think they they should uh, adhere to because you know as a financial planner this is honestly uh, one of the worst things and you're getting a lot of you're seeing cr- uh, commercials in fact just uh, this week I saw a commercial about poverty mm-hmm. and this person celebrating Christmas and a very stark yeah. atmosphere in an apartment and that is the, says well Nobody really wants to have that. So they'll go and use a payday loan and then they go personally bankrupt. And then what happens after that? So it is a a vicious circle um, for anybody there is listening. I love for you to certainly talk to your your grandkids about money management because money management is is the key. And it's putting a little bit of money away, living on 80 percent. Of what you're making, <coughs> and not 110. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and there's a we are in a um, the statistics are showing that we are going more into debt as yeah. a nation. A lot of that is comfort that we're we're in a bit of a boom now. We're like our un- unemployment rate is like. 7%. Mm-hmm. States have just hit an all-time low for 7-8 years now. Yeah. Um, they're doing fantastic in spite of the latest election saying make American great again. Yeah. They're actually doing fantastic right now. It was already it great. It was already great. Okay. <laughs> Who would have known. Uh, so so you get into this uh, security I feel more comfortable. So people get into debt more uh, a little bit more during comfortable times, which also fuels the econo- uh, sure. economic economic gro- uh, growth. But the other side of it is the interest rates are very low right now. Mm-hmm. So, most people are looking at the payment per month and not the amount of debt they have. Right. And I know the statistics are looking at we're in the most debt right now, but uh, we, you should probably look at, uh, you know, don't stop looking at the payment per month. Mm-hmm. Start looking at the overall debt.
1: Well, debt, and in, it's interesting, I was just looking at some of those numbers in terms of debt, and you go back to 1999, they looked at two different segments of the population, sort of 55 to 65. And that group, the debt, the, those that are, have debt has gone up from 61% to 70% of individuals in that age group. Wow. And then um, the 65 plus group, they are seeing an increase from 27% to 42%. So it's actually statistically wow. the, the largest, larger of the two, 42% of those 65 plus have debt uh still versus 27 not just uh you know just about tw- uh, 16 years ago mm. so you can see what low interest rates have done in terms of getting us very comfortable with having debt and and carrying that through through to age 65 right you so, often
0: wonder what people like more uh low interest rates low pay that sort of opportunity or higher interest rates higher return higher
1: pay yeah what's better yeah. really mm-hmm. Well, the higher interest rates would, would kind of force people to have to deal with their debt, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it's There's going reality. to eat into their, it eats into their cash flow. So they either have to get big wage increases yeah. or they have to have... But generally, high interest rates are associated with higher inflation. Mm-hmm. And if you have higher inflation, your wages are going to be climbing at a faster pace. But you're not gaining ground.
0: No, it's all relative. No, yeah.
1: exactly. So um, the biggest whammy is going to come with people that used to never had debt at retirement, now have debt, and suddenly interest rates do go up and go up more than they anticipated.
0: We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Or if you'd like, you can call and leave a message at 905-529-7165. Uh, That's 905-529-7165. Talking about the real risks of retirement here.
1: The real risks of retirement. And so I want to keep a positive spin on this, but Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about kind of the six as we sort of identified... What are the six key things that people are really end up focusing on in terms of understanding how do I retire and how do I do it well? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, retiring, retiring really, it's not an event. I mean, there, you're maybe a retirement party and you might, yay and, and pack up your desk and you're gone, but really Retirement today is more about transitions. Yeah. It really is a transition process and so there's we sort of start off with individuals we, we would call them nearly retired. So those might be individuals that are still working part-time or they're taking on contracts but or they're they're really sort of getting ready to retire. They know what's on the horizon and they're beginning that process to try to understand. The next step is the newly retired. So those are people they've actually kind of cut the cord. There's Mm -hmm. no more paycheck anymore. And generally now they've got just their income from their investments and their savings and their pensions. And then you get into the experienced retiree, the experienced retirement. Now you've sort of worked out all the sort of lifestyle issues and where we're going to live and how much we're spending. And then the in other final words, stage, the
0: panicking is stopped
1: <laughs> Well, you know what that's the <laughs> <Or a>, beginning <laughs> you know, Well that's a really good point because the final stage which is the legacy stage is you kind of now know yeah you know what we're going to be okay you do think I'm going to be okay but you can begin to think about is there money left over and what can we do with that and how do we best match our goals in that area But through the whole process everybody always still has the same question which am I going to be okay yeah am I going to be okay and is the money gonna last? and that's what staggering to me is we begin to think about how much longer people are living mm-hmm. and just looking back in the last well almost in the last 90 years back since the 20s 1920 we are living 25 years longer on average 25 years longer yeah. so in in today's environment you know longevity is, becomes one of the risks of retirement but so this, this transition process really in terms of how we're going to spend our money or allocate our money during retirement, it boils down to sort of the two main parts, which would be our fixed costs. We call that what you will spend, and that's going to be something that really does vary it, it will vary and particularly during that sort of newly retired period as mm-hmm. you're getting used to you know how are we actually going to live in retirement what's it going to look like who are we hang- day stuff who yeah. are we hanging out with yeah. yeah what is the day-to-day stuff so we see kind of like a, a curving line where it can rise up it can go down maybe there's a, um, a new vehicle or maybe there's a, a retirement residence or maybe there's a special trips that are involved so you you're what we are spending kind of goes in in a fluctuation, right. kinda of like a roller coaster, looking like a roller coaster. And then there's the other section which is what we might spend. And when you think about how what you might spend money on, those are kind of the extras or the, the, the thrills. But they're also um they're also more suspect because we're we're less confident in terms of using that money, the will spend money, right. because that brings up the big question of how long will it last? Mm-hmm. And then your spending also starts to shift over time. And so some things which were important, perhaps travel, have now really f- sort of fallen off the wayside, and there's not a lot of that going on. But now your medical costs, which were low at the beginning of retirement, have started to creep up. Mm-hmm. They've been replaced by something else. So this is sort of that process of understanding. It is a transition, and really for our job with the newly retired is to help them understand that there is going to be a lot of fluctuation, but it will start to smooth out, and we're kind of get you'll get into a rhythm you begin to understand how much you're going to spend. So the key retirement goals that people have, and we sort of break it down into six different categories. And the first one is making it last and making it last is all about the longevity issue and Mm -hmm. how long, how long are we going to live? So, you know, Don and I will, will always sort of quiz people about, tell me about your family history. Tell me about your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters. Um, you know, did they die at 58, everybody, you know, i heard that the other day, I was talking to somebody about their retirement and they were in their late sixties and they said, all of my siblings, I'm the law, lo- I'm the oldest living one. Yeah. So, you know, that sort of jumps out at you and thinks, well, you better start using some mm-hmm. of this money now because yeah. the odds aren't stacked in your favor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen, Yeah. but at the same time, you know, you have to sort of release yourself a little bit to be able to spend some of this money. Um. So as I said, longevity, Canadians are living longer and you really sort of have to be prepared for a 20 to 30 year retirement. Yeah. Imagine being retired for thirty years,
0: and with you'd have that discussion not that long ago. And and I remember, and I've told you this discussion before. Standing around old people and saying, "Oh, you know, uh, well, I, I remember uh, a friend of mine whose fa- whose grandfather passed away. Friends, pa- friend of my grandfather's passed away, or his yes. grandfather's passed away. And so, as a result, he at an early age, so he wanted to retire early, like in the seventies and eighties, when people didn't do that. Right, and then ended up working longer or sorry, being retired longer than he ever worked. worked. And we always (laughs) thought that was just an amazing scenario. And I remember having that discussion not too long ago, oddly enough, at someone's funeral, standing around a a pile of old people, and they said, well, I'm that way, I'm that way, I'm that way, and now it's the norm. Whereas back then, it was great if you could ever obtain that.
1: Well, you know, one of the fascinating things to me and we and we often joke about it, I joke about it with our my clients tend to laugh about it too, but when we when we started in the business 30 plus years ago, you know, if somebody was 60 at the time yeah. and they were beginning their retirement and now they're 90. And in the old days, you know, you'd put 90 was always sort of the end date yeah, in terms yeah. of the retirement plan yeah. well now we then they'd say oh i'll never make it to 90. well now they're 92 yeah. and we make it 95 and then yeah. we make it 100 they yeah. make it 105 and every time we come back and the years creep along they're still going yeah and they're yeah. still uh they're still aware they're still mobile they're still enjoying life much and, more common now yeah it's yeah. just unbelievable yeah. so the, the statistics tell us we talk about the 50 percent chance and for a male age 60 right now you've got a 50 50 chance of living beyond age 83. so right then there there's 23 years if you're 60 i wonder how you're handling that news right now yeah (laughs) Does it seem like a long time or a short time?
0: It seems, well, it always, you assume it's a long time away, but it's closer than you think it is. Yeah. And and I think when you're there, it seems very short. Right. When you're younger, it seems like a long period of time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So 50, flip of a coin, you're going to make it to 80. You're going to live beyond 83, right? And so for a female, it's 50, 50 uh, beyond age 86. And if you're a couple living together, because that seems to help us in terms of longevity, you have uh, a 50, 50 chance that one of you will live beyond age 90, which is exactly what mm. we're talking about. Yeah. So that age 90 really then spills back into a 30 plus year retirement yeah. for many people. And think about the fact that we said since ni- since the 20s, we've increased our longevity by 25 years, which Probably is a thirty or forty percent increase in terms of our longevity. Yeah. Imagine where we'll be sitting—you know, eighty, ninety years from now. Yeah, will we be easily be taught living into our hundred and twenties, hundred and thirties, and now freedom one twenty-five? That's right. <laughs> It'll be a whole new marketing. Freedom 155. Freedom one hundred. That'll be a good one. That's it. That'll be a nice one. Um, so, what this has done, though this this issue of longevity and will my money last? Is it's created a fear uh, of overspending, and that fear of overspending has resulted in many retirees underliving. Mm. In other words, they're yeah. not spending their money, they're not enjoying it, and um, in in both cases, half fifty eight percent are worried about making their retirement funds stretch for their retirement remaining years, and sixty four percent of retirees find it hard to strike a balance between enjoying retirement and making money last. And really what that comes back to is if you have a strong financial plan that addresses all of these issues and gives you a blueprint and at least a picture to look at, it answers some of these questions and that fear of overspending. We're really, we work hard at trying to understand how much you can spend and we're going to talk about a little more about some of these strategies for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we uh, we're sitting here and we're talking with clients all the time. And again, that fear of running out of money is, is first and foremost. Which again, as Andy mentioned, makes people underlive. So we actually there can be
0: as much stress with that as there is when you're working, there just is, trying to there make is. the make. You're thinking you're retired oh, now, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Nope. But you can worry about that as much as you are when you're working and got the kids and everything else.
2: I actually think there might be more more stress yeah. to be honest, because yeah. it's sometimes out of your control. What yeah. the rate of return of of your investments. Yeah. And rather than I can just go work and make Yeah, money, you're not working. you know, yeah. And yeah. and people with the defined benefit plans, they know what they're getting every month. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not in the same kind of stress. Mm-hmm. But when we're going through people's situation, we go through what's the life expectancy. And there's some really good tools on the internet to kind of give you some peace of mind of how long you, you could be expected to live. So if I punch in my own numbers and things such as, how how tall are you? First of all, male female. Okay, males live a little less. How tall are you? And your weight. Okay, kind of yeah. give you an idea if you're. I was overweight. gonna. I was ask, I
0: was thinking why you're asking how tall I am, but I guess it goes <laughs> with a <the> weight ratio <laughs> thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not just the height, <laughs> right?
2: Okay.
1: Your BMI. Um, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, and again, that's these are all rules of thumb, but it gives you an idea. Um, smoking habits, drinking habits, um, elevated cholesterol, blood pressure, taking in that into control. And certainly genetics, as Andy mentioned, how long did your parents live? Do your siblings have any um, cardiovascular issues? Uh, Post-secondary education, interestingly enough, whether you had it or not, how much you make your Mm. income will also dictate how long you live. So they have all these factors in this. uh, It's a very good tool. It's on Canadian Business website. And you plug all these in, and it'll give you an idea. So now you say, okay, based on a 53-year-old, I'm going to live to be 83. Okay, that would be average for a 53 year old. Sure. Well, uh, that would be five years longer than, say, life expectancy of the norm. But I don't smoke. Okay, I'd maybe drink maybe more than three drinks a week, as they said. So, you know, other things come into effect. But at the end of the day, uh, and my parents lived to, my grandparents lived to past 90. So yeah. you put all this in. You got in, good genes. I got good genes right mm-hmm. now, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and even asked about moving violations. So you plug in uh, all that stuff, which is kind of interesting. Do you drive like a maniac? sack. <laughs> Unfortunately, Not me. I, I did have a moving violation in the last three years. So That's knocking to, about 20 years <laughs> off you, pal. <laughs> exactly. But I did ask if I wore a seatbelt, which I do. Throw all this data in, and it comes out with this number. And, it, and it's interesting. It says, okay, well, if I'm going to uh, live to 83, and I've got X amount of dollars, um, even if I earn 0%, this is how much I could spend per year without running right, on money.
1: right. Yep.
2: So you take all that into consideration. It might give you a little bit of peace of mind. And again, working with a planner, as Andy mentioned, is first and foremost, because trying to go through this stress that your family's dependent on you to work this out properly so you don't run out of money. It was You had the stress when you're working, supporting, if you're the only, say, the sole income earner, you had that stress all. Yeah. But now you got the stress of looking after this money by yourself too. It's you don't need to. No. Have a financial plan. you will be so
0: stressed up, you'll step off the uh, curb and get hit by a bus and be all over anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the,
2: the stress, fun there? The stress reduces uh, your life expectancy.
1: Uh, Says you get right here. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so just I'm coming. We're coming back and we we're talking about these the six main risks of retirement. And um, so we've been talking about longevity. And really, the next one, number two, is inflation. And inflation in in our world, and when we think about um, you know, as an individual, if you're thinking about what does that mean, it means maintaining your lifestyle, right? So if I can maintain my lifestyle, that's going to be important to me. And inflation is the key to that. Well, prices have in many things, prices have skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. And we were just looking back like over the last 50 years, and here is an example. So if you were taking your, uh, your grandkids out for, for lunch and you were going to a burger place to, to get a meal. Um, back in 1960, French fries cost 15 cents. Hmm. A hamburger cost 15 cents. A fish burger was 24 cents. A cheeseburger was 20 cents and a milkshake was 22 cents today. So you could basically take your grandchild for lunch for 50 cents back in the (laughs) sixties total. Today it's 10 times that. Yeah. 10 times yeah. that it's costs at least five bucks per person, mm-hmm. which in many ways for a meal still seems relatively inexpensive, but you know, French fries have gone from 15 cents to a buck 79. A burger uh, has gone from uh, 24 cents, a fish burger to three forty-nine. So, you know, and then on top of that, uh, exchange rates, because how many Canadians like to or enjoy going to the U.S. for yeah. part of their retirement, part of, during part of the yeah. year, whether it's snowbirds. snowbirds to Arizona, Florida, etc., California, and so the U.S. exchange rate has taken a toll in terms of uh, purchasing power as well. So this is important to understand what inflation does, and particularly when you think about income-wise too. You know, if you had uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in retirement savings. And inflation to average 2%. Now, in in Canada, the Bank of Canada's target is between 1% and 3% in terms of inflation. So just taking right in the middle there at 2%, that $250,000 over the course of 25 years, so you retired at 60 and you made it to 85, that two fifty dollars is worth $152,000. It's dropped by $98,000 in terms of purchasing power. If inflation was a little higher at three percent, your two hundred and fifty grands worth one hundred and nineteen thousand, a drop of one hundred and thirty thousand. And if inflation did bubble up to four percent, that two fifty is only worth ninety three thousand dollars, so a drop of one hundred and fifty seven thousand bucks. So you know that inflation is really sort of number two, and that's maintaining your lifestyle. Number three, when we talk to clients, is about protecting their assets. And in our world, that means asset allocation. And so asset allocation is really, we're, we've all heard about this before, but it's basically about diversification. Mm-hmm. And the normal diversification is you spread your investments around into different categories. You create sort of a strategy and a policy statement around that and not you all follow the, that. Carefully. Not
0: all the eggs in one basket. Not all the
1: eggs in the same type of investment, right? You want to diversify. And, but there's a new type of diversification that I want to talk about, and it's called income diversification. And income diversification is really about how do you create different sources of income from different types of investments or different type, categories of financial instruments so that you can protect or diversify Your income stream going forward.
0: We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are with us from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And go check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word.com. And you can even ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com, that's andyanddon.com. We're talking about the real risks of retirement.
1: And we've broken it down to six. And the first one we talked about was making the money last and that's the longevity risk. Number two was maintaining my lifestyle and that was the inflation risk. And number three, we're talking about protecting my assets which was asset allocation. But really sort of spinning off from that, proper asset allocation makes sense because you've got to be careful and protect yourself because the worst thing is having poor rates of return early on in your retirement. Mm. Poor rates of return or low rates of return early on in your retirement can really impact how long your money is going to last for sure. But. Diversification, the different kind of diversification, which is income diversification. And in fact, next week, I'm going to talk specifically about annuities and how annuities can fit into this. But this is exactly what we're talking about. If part of your income is derived from a guaranteed source in the context that you know that's coming in every month, and we've talked about this before, like my parents grew up in the world of a monthly income at Mm -hmm. retirement. How much was their pension check going to be? And today we are retiring with a pot of money. We don't know how much income that's going to generate. We have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, but taking a portion of that and creating a guaranteed income stream for your life is a way of diversifying your income stream. Um, number four is the spending. You know I want to be able to spend well, but of course I don't want to run out. So spending well is really about what we call the withdrawal rate. How, at what percent. Can I withdraw money out of my investments and not have to worry about risking of losing, living too long and running out yeah. of money. And so the traditional formula is about 4%. So a, a safe figure right now is you could take 4% uh, and and really not run out of money ever, That that would be a continuous thing and you'll probably end up leaving a legacy. But as you look at how much money you need. And so we're taking an individual, that say, starts with uh, $500,000 um, as, as capital. Well, at 4%, they're getting about $20,000 a, uh, a year. At 8%, they'd be getting $80,000 a year. Sorry, $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's adds up to quite a bit more every yeah. month. But the question is, how long will it last? Well, generally at 8%, we see an average of about 17 years that the money would last. We're at 4%, it would last beyond 45 years. So there's a huge difference difference, in terms of withdrawal rate. So understanding your withdrawal rate and being cautious about how much you're taking out of your investments, particularly in the early years is key. And when you think about how much I can take out, if we were looking at just what we call a moderate portfolio. And the rate of return on this sort of be sort of medium risk per, per, portfolio around four percent with inflation if you're taking out uh seven percent you have a risk of running out of money only a forty eight uh percent chance that your money would last through thirty years hmm. so you have to sort of weigh that off in terms of how much can I spend versus how much do I need to leave behind? And so this is really about spending well. The The next category is, is they want to stay healthy and staying healthy is really about managing your health, your personal health, your medical costs, and perhaps long-term care as well. And so if you And I think this is something that's happening now in terms of society is we're much more aware of our health. We're more aware of what we're eating. We're more aware of the value of exercise. And a lot of that is really starting to percolate through in terms of living longer. Yeah. But it also means um, there's more money left over. Because if you're not spending it on health, then you have more money to do other things as well. So maintaining your health is becoming a key component to being able to retire and not run out of money as well. And finally, I guess number six, which would be leaving a legacy. And leaving a legacy is really about legacy planning. It's about an estate plan. And Don and I get involved in this process as well. It's still today, 50% of Canadians do not have a signed will. 50% of Canadians don't have about. a signed will. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I guess people want to think, well, can I give money at death? Yes. I'm going to have maybe some assets left over or a house or maybe some life insurance, but wouldn't it be nice to be able to give while you're alive? And part of an estate plan is being able to help you from a plan- financial planning standpoint to recognize what assets could be available to be able to give while you're alive. And so, you know, the estate plan I wish plan- my parents were better financial planners. <laughs> <laughs> and so the estate the estate plan a lot of kids, I-, <laughs> I should have I should have introduced them to you when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and really what I mean for Dawn and I I heard the analogy and I thought it makes a lot of sense. We feel like you're you're in charge. It's like you're the captain. You're the pilot of your retirement. Mm-hmm. But we want to be your co-pilot. And, the, and the, the job and the role of the co-pilot is to... Keep an eye out for everything else that's going on. Yeah, we want to make sure we want to look at the weather forecast to see is there anything coming up that we need to be aware of. We want to we want to be reviewing the gauges and mm-hmm. making sure that you know we have enough fuel and that the, you know nothing is out of whack in terms of the readings we're getting from our gauges. And finally, you want to keep checking our flight path to make sure are we on course, or are we actually going where we want to go, and everything is still tickety boo. That's a great. So analogy. being able to be your co-pilot in retirement is really what being a financial planner is. And I mean, this is something that we love to do, and it becomes part of a, the day-to-day, our day-to-day life, but helping people understand retirement, prepare for retirement, and really stepping through all six of these retirement risks. And when you've done that and, and carrying on the process as your co-pilot really makes a huge difference in terms of your stress level for, for retirement.
2: And it, and it really does. Ni- it is nice to have somebody else to have that too, in terms of having that second opinion. Yeah. Because when you're just again relying on your your own, it's one thing is to say, okay, I worked on my Volkswagen Beetle in 1972, and you know what? <laughs> worst comes to worst, I can screw it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work on my brand new vehicle, and a mistake is too costly. And th- and these peace of mind alone, it's great to have that co-pilot. We are
0: planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button, or of course, call and leave a message now at 905-529-7165. We're talking about the importance of not only when you come up with a plan, but then you stick to it.
2: Yeah, sticking to it, you know, coming up with a plan is great. It's always great to have that financial plan, but how wired are you to Mm -hmm. stick to it? And it's kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of years ago, this uh, study was done and they did a fictitious coin flip. Can you imagine, Scott, you, you had a coin and that 60% of the time, guaranteed it was 60% of the time, it would land heads. Hmm. Now, the only way that this could happen is if you did this coin flip on a computer. You're not actually using a coin. Right. But let's say that the randomness of this made sure that tails would only come up 40% of the time and heads would come up 60% of the time. How many times would you bet on tails? Forty. You you bet forty percent of the time. Well, this is actually what a lot of people start doing. They got a sixty percent chance of heads. So here's let's what they did. They took twenty five dollars, just a fictitious twenty five dollars, and they said you got thirty minutes, and you can hit that coin flip as many times as you want. You got thirty minutes to get this through, and you could bet it all at once, you know, bet the farm, or you can go increments. And you can do whatever you like and try to maximize this, this gain. So what they found is this uh, John Kelly um, in Bell Labs in 1955 developed that the optimal efficiency to bet on this was never to bet tails, first of all, mm. was only to bet heads. And you should bet 20% of your pot, whatever that pot is, at every given time on heads. And that was that would be the that's that, your only bet. That would be your only bet. Yeah. You did nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. You never. That's your plan. That's your financial plan. Okay, twenty percent. You never got tempted to do anything else. So he he presented this to these sixty-one students and subjects rather, and what? Who were these subjects? These weren't just your average everyday folks on the street that would not be very good with uh, finance. These were finance students, economic students, and young professionals in financial firms. So you figure, you know, that's a pretty good Mm -hmm. subsection of 61 people that should be able to stick to this plan and not get emotional. Because they they work with numbers every day. This is easy, right? Well, at the end of the day, they did cap this, by the way, first of all, that none of these players could make more than $250. Because it is actually possible, because of the compounding of money, that this could amass in 30 minutes over $3 million dollars. Hmm. by simply invest by taking uh, 20% stake of your pot every time. So if your pot grew to $1,000, yeah, you would take 200 bucks on the next bet and so forth. You would the size of your bet by t- at exactly 20%. So you think, okay, with this kind of, um, let's call it just subjects, cross-section of people, they would do pretty good. Well, it turned out that only 26, 21% reached their $250. So they start with 25 bucks. They got it to 250 bucks. Only 21% of the subjects got to that level. And all they had to do is keep hitting the coin flip and adjusting the bet to 20%. On the other side of the coin, 21% made the 250. How many do you think end up with less than $25? Mm-mm. 33%. A third. Wow! When you got 60% of the time, it's going to land heads. And a third of them actually let, ended up with less than what they started with. And actually, it's kind of interesting. Of the 28% of those people, 28% of 28% of those people that were less than $25, end up with no money. They went bust. <laughs> they went broke. Okay, <laughs> so probably not the best financial planners. But this, what this was trying to show you, was human nature. In spite of education, it superseded it. Even though they knew it was going to be, it was stacked so against them. So they didn't them. necessarily follow the plan or they did? They did not follow okay. the plan. Mm-hmm. If they followed the plan, they, they would have be, been fine. They would have been, yeah. been great. And in, fight of the, in, in spite of financial literacy, that took a back seat to human nature. We're not wired. Is it about financial literacy or is it about discipline, though? It is. Discipline is yeah. a big part of you. Absolutely right, Scott. And it's kind of funny. When you hit heads, all of a sudden heads comes up four times in a row. Well, I guess we're thinking, well, it's gotta come up tails soon. I'm gonna bet tails on this one. Oh darn, heads came up yeah. again. Okay. So that would happen. The other part is they would start flip flopping on how much they would bet. Well, it's come up tails a few times. I'm gonna go big on heads this time. <laughs> and they wouldn't do the twenty percent. Uh. Um and so I wonder if this works in Vegas. I have a feeling the house always wins. (laughs) The house wins for a reason. And the it it really is quite interesting that in spite of the fact they knew the rules, they knew the chances, and they're educated. Yeah. Thirty-three percent end up with less money doing this. And the what I like about this is we see this every day. In fact, sixty percent of the time the market's gonna rise in a given year. It's actually slightly better than sixty percent. And yet people Perfect, perfect. We just had the Trump election. Mm-hmm. How many people were worried that the markets were going to drop? Yeah. I certainly would have thought yeah. they would have. Yeah. Every yeah. expert thought they would have. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, the markets are up 3-4%. Yeah. How about how about those people that took money off the table? Okay. Yeah, I'm getting out. <laughs> I'm getting so out. Well, they just missed out on this opportunity. Took their money and came to Canada. <laughs> yes. And we see this every day with fund flows. We see Because what they do, they track the fund flows of how many people are going into, say, U.S. investments, how many are going into Canadian investments, and here we are, we had the lost decade, Um, it ended in about, oh, 2010, where 10 years of of U.S. growth on the market was zero, so it's called the lost decade, yet they've always had a very good performance. How much money was actually flowing into U.S. funds at that time? Very little, I'll tell you. Most, mm-hmm. most funds were actually leaving the U.S. I'm out of this, I'm going elsewhere. Even though the track record was it was going to do well. Yeah. So all I'm saying, this is it's so important to follow the plan. Asset allocation and rebalance is our strategy. Andy just mentioned that in the last section. and But you do need that financial planner to let you stick and have that discipline, as you said, Scott.
0: We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them at 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thanks, Thanks, Scott.